Coming in hot, 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 Lisa shares her financial tips and strategies to build wealth, have fun with finances, and be debt-free without having a restrictive budget. From bankrupt to millionaire, Lisa knows what it's like to feel as if you're living paycheck to paycheck. Her unconventional money multiplier system is the very wealth protocol that enabled her to retire two and a half years early, pay down $100,000 of debt in six months, and move to her dream home at the beach. Hey, hey, coming in hot, hot, hot. Lisa shares her financial tips and strategies to build wealth, have fun with finances, and be debt-free without having a restrictive budget. From bankrupt to millionaire, Lisa knows what it's like to feel as if you're living paycheck to paycheck. Her unconventional money multiplier system is the very wealth protocol that enabled her to retire two and a half years early, pay down $100,000 of debt in six months, and move to her dream home at the beach. Welcome to another episode of I Date Money. I'm your host, Lisa Drennan, and today we have special guest, Ange D. Lumiere. Such a beautiful name. She supports entrepreneurs to trust their intuition to make smart decisions so they create success on their terms without losing their health, their relationships, or their sanity. We all want to keep our sanity, don't we? <laughs> she is a spiritual lawyer, an author, and podcaster. After 15 years and as an international lawyer, she branched out to do what she likes to call her PhD in intuition from the University of Life. Thank you so much, Ange, for being here, for sharing this space with us. We're excited to hear your story. As I said earlier, I love the little sign behind you. It says, I am writing my fabulous bestseller, New York. So Ange has got some books out there that you uh, listeners out there, check the show notes for links to get to that, to see what books um, she has written that you can read. So Ange, tell us, go back to little Ange when you were just a little girl. What is your earliest memory um, around receiving money when you first met money? This is a really good question. First, I want to thank you for having me on your show. I'm really appreciating it. I love, um, I actually love talking about money, but that you, that didn't used to be the case at all. Because I was brought up in a bourgeois family in Paris and people don't, didn't talk about money. They had lots of money, but they never talked about it. And, um, so, that's a bit the background I came from. And my, my, my earliest memory with money is whenever I had pocket money, I would buy sweets and then I would give all of them away to my friends. And that was <laughs> it. And I just repeat, rinse and repeat. <laughs> a giver at heart. You and Gary, the giver would be good compatible. <laughs> yeah. What, how did you receive your money when you were little? Um, my parents gave me pocket money every week. I had, um, coins and I had a little purse and I was lucky that I lived in the heart of Paris and actually from a very young age I was um, taking the bus on my own to go to school um, with my sister who was three years older than me so at six years old for the first time I went to school on my own in the public, public bus with my sister and I would often be sent to the boulangerie to go and get some bread for my parents for, for dinner um, and so I I was used to paying things, which is probably maybe a little bit unusual for that that kind of age uh, as, as young. 
Um, but I think, yeah, I loved buying sweets, but then I just gave them all away. That was just, it, it that's what you loved, right? Yeah, yeah. But then it's, I regretted it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, did it. I was like, what have I just done? But I never learned the lesson. <laughs> it's on repeating itself. So really funny in a way. Yeah. Are you still like that? Do you still like to give things away? So I was like that for a very long time. And so, uh, and I didn't realize that it was actually impacting my prosperity until I lost my job um, as a very well-paid international business lawyer. And I didn't realize that I was deflecting money all the time. And including when I started my career as a lawyer, because my brother and my sister um, didn't succeed as well as I did. And so I always felt guilty having more money than they did. Um, and also there was this thing in my family. Families are wonderful for that, aren't they? There's so much stories around money and everything that I had to help my sister financially because I was better off than her. And it started creating all these complicated relationships around money and, um, what well, people and money. Um, that, yeah, I, I, so when I, I left the corporate world, was kind of pushed a bit more than me actually leaving uh I became an entrepreneur and that's when all my money stories came to the front you know it always came out of the woodwork and I started realizing that actually I had a lot of issues around money a lot of unhelpful beliefs that I was deflecting money far too much and um I had to change that I Mm -hmm. had to change that how are you deflecting money well, it was by helping other people before mm-hmm. putting my own oxygen mask on, even after I lost my job. And I was in a position where I couldn't find another job, but I was never, you know, I never thought I would be an entrepreneur one day. So I had no idea how to sell myself, you know. Uh, I had had a, a career as a lawyer. So basically, if I was employed, I was paid and I was paid really well. So it was a, a very brutal uh, shock, culture shock. Um and I realized that even after, you know, when I was living on my savings, I was still helping other people rather than thinking of myself and my family. I realized that for the first 15 years of my career, I was sort of loyal to my dad's side of the family. They were quite wealthy. And of course, I did well. I had a good degree. I had a good career. And so, you know, there was that loyalty towards my side of the family. But then when I lost my job, I became loyal to my mum's side of the family, who they were more working class. And my grandmother actually has struggled financially her entire life. She was made an orphan during the war. And at the time, uh, you know, women who had children, there was no daycare. So basically, she was put in an orphanage. That was the daycare of the time. So that her, her mum could work because her dad had not provided. He was only 18 when he was killed. And, and they were very little. So um, there was this, my grandmother worked her entire life. She even lied about her age to get a job at 14 instead of 16 back in France, even though she legally wasn't allowed to have her own bank account or to have a job. I don't know how she worked it out, but she did. And she then climbed her way up, all the way up, and she became the um, uh, the personal assistant to one of uh, the CEOs of one of the biggest corporations in France. So very, very ambitious woman, but that went from nothing and just climbed her way out really, really hard. So for her, when she looked at my dad's side of the family, there was a lot of envy and a lot of bitterness that, you know, some people had so much money and she had to work so hard for it. 
So I had these conflicting loyalties within me, and it's almost like I played them out without knowing or realizing that I was doing it until one day I sat down. I had done enough work on my money blocks or stories, whatever, to realize, okay, well, I don't have to be loyal to either anymore. I can carve my own path. Mm-hmm. It's time for me to do it on my own terms. And that's when things started to shift a little bit. Yeah, it's so amazing because we subconsciously learn from our family, from our parents, how to manage money. And we don't, you know, we, whatever we observe, we absorb. And when you think about those patterns, you know, at such a young age, you were giving, giving, giving. And then as you moved into adulthood, you started supporting your sister thinking that, oh, I have to do this because I make more money. And, you know, you, you got to do that. That was a, a beautiful choice, but I imagine like the strain and the burden. And then when you looked at your own finances, your own relationship with money, what, what, what was your attitude like towards money? If money was a person at that time, what were you thinking about money? So I was very bitter because when the tables turned, None of the people I had helped were there to help me. Yeah. And that was a very hard thing to take on. I was very bitter. I was very angry. And I, you saw, I had a very conflictual relationship with money until I realized that it wasn't helping me to do that. And I started picking up the pieces of when I was kind of judging other people. I had never really had any. So this is, I don't know if this is something in America that's quite strong, but. In Europe, you know, we, we tend to pay more taxes. And I never had a problem with that because I always thought, you know, I'm rich enough to pay taxes. This is wonderful. I can help other people. And then, of course, when I lost my job, I was actually pregnant with my third child. I wasn't in a relationship that was very volatile. So basically, I was a single mom of two children. I lived not in my native country, so I had no support system from my family. And with another one on the way. So very hard to find another job really, really stressful situations. But I think that's when I realized that I had to change something around the, the money and the, the providing for myself. Mm-hmm. Because we all need an oxygen mask if we're in an airplane rather than sending after everybody else's needs, basically. Right. Yeah. And being a single parent, you know, trying to make ends meet. And, you know, even I can't even imagine like, reaching out to your family and they're like, no, we're not going to help you after you've given so much. I can definitely understand that bitterness. How did you move away from that and build a better relationship with money? So I have to say it's taken me a very long time. And I think I became aware of how important it was. So there's a really interesting thing that happened because I started getting into the self-development spirituality circles, etc., And there's a lot of talk about the law of attraction and how, and, and Esther Hicks and the secrets and all that. And so I try to read Ask and It Is Given and I couldn't get past chapter one because it was so alien to the way I looked at things, everything in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but then one day after probably eight to nine years, I, I wouldn't give up on this book and I sat down and I, I started reading it and finally I got it. And I think that was the turning point is when I was able to look at money and um, generating money from a law of attraction perspective rather than just, you know, your run of the mills of getting a job, you know, finances, et cetera. Because I was very good at managing my money before I lost my job and I still am. But it's just that the money flow stopped. <laughs> right. And I didn't know how to create something else. I didn't know how to sell. I tried to establish myself as a clinical hypnotherapist and I was um there wasn't many online businesses back then. And of course 
sadly, in a way, um, this practice was hit by the 2008 crisis, where people really prioritized other things than their well-being. So, um, but you know, I'm still managed to keep a roof over my head to feed my kids all that time, not in an abundant way, didn't feel abundant. But then one day, what I did was I realized that I had to account for every penny that I received and not segregate what came from benefits and what came from other sources. Because if I started doing that, I was actually telling money, if you come this way, I don't like you. And if you come this way, I like you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when it, it I reached another plateau, if that makes any sense. I reached another level because I was able to accept money wherever it came. So not trying to pick holes into where the money was coming from, just a knowledge that the money was there and that's what mattered and that that's what I should be happy for. Yeah. 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 And I love that you share that because that's one of the things that I teach in my program is you appreciate all the money and why are we segregating it? Why are we separating it? It's like, take all of your income once a week, you, you meet with money, you know, you have your, your money partner and you receive all the income and you celebrate that you celebrate those assets and it doesn't matter where it's coming from. And I remember I had a conversation with um, somebody on the show earlier in the season and thinking about the money that we get, like when you go to the grocery store and all of a sudden you get like a 25% discount that's money coming your way. Like you expected to pay X amount of dollars, but now you just got it for 25% less. You have 25% more money in your pocket and that's a celebration. And I'm always loving when I find pennies and dimes and quarters and all that, pick it up. You know, even if it's a penny, like I know so many people who will look at a penny and be like, eh, that's nothing. And it is something, you know, and there's a story about the penny multiplying. Like if you can get a penny a day, versus a million dollars, which would be more by the end of 30 days based on this compound interest. And every time I read that story, I'm like, it's amazing. It doesn't matter. Like, you know, my favorite tagline doesn't matter which, how much money you make. It's what you do with it. And it's because when you can appreciate the money that you do have, you know, and we're exchanging that money all that t- all the time, right? So we have the cash and then we change that cash for a service or a product that's an investment, right? But yeah, so many people yeah. think like, oh, I have to pay my bills. No, you get to pay your bills. And when you pay your bills, you're getting this beautiful service. You're getting lights, you're getting water. You're, And then you're helping the people at that company receive income so that they can do the same. So that reciprocal energy of giving and receiving that money affords everyone. And when we can just have that attitude. So I love that you learned that lesson um, and you're still seeing it because we tend to go back and, you know, our subconscious holds a lot of these thoughts. It says, oh, well, you know, we don't like this kind of money. We don't like that kind of money. Or I, I got a $5 check in the mail. Big deal. It is a big deal because celebrate that. And what can you do with that to multiply it? Right. So yeah, totally. And I, I had a free coffee today and I, it made me feel so happy. You know, when you get those points from your favorite coffee shop and you get the free coffee, I always celebrate that. I completely agree with you. And then there's something I want to say about the pennies, because um, even though I try to re- remain very grounded and I have a legal background, I also work with spirits. And I know that pennies are sent by spirits as well. And um, I actually have a guide that helps me manifest money. And literally today, I saw the name of my guide on a truck. And I, I, I was just like, it brought such a big smile to my face because I, 
Of course. I've been manifesting more money in the past three months than I have in, in years. And it's just so much fun. So I guess I want to plan the idea for people that even if they don't know exactly how it works, it doesn't hurt to imagine that the penny is actually sent maybe by your grandmother or your grandfather. My grandfather was a banker. So whenever there's pennies that appear, I know he's around and he's the one who helps me manifest money. So that's that's amazing for me. It's yeah. fun as well. Yeah, it is a lot of fun. And when you receive money, when you can celebrate that and and do good things, like I always say, money, you know, in the hands of good people does good things. And I know there are several people out there who love to give to charity, who love to support other, you know, not-for-profits and things like that to help others. And, you know, that takes money, you know, and on the flip side, there's uh, people out there that don't want to hold on to every single thing that they have. They don't want to give, you know, I, I like to say that Harry the hoarder is one of their archetypes and whatever they get, they hang on to so tightly, not realizing that one, they're not using it. And two, they can give that away to somebody that could really benefit from it. But then, you know, why are they like, what's the thought process behind holding on to something, right? You know, a lot of people have a sentimental value. And again, like if you saw that as money, like money purchased that item, you know, and we think about all the things that money does and why we desire it so much. And some people will do crazy things to get money, you know, and that's another conversation. But thinking about all the ways you have multiple income streams coming in from your book sales, your services that you provide. Tell us more about that. Yeah. So yeah, it's really important to, to um, multiply the, the source of income that you can have. And actually I have decided uh, very, very recently that I was going to go back into my profession uh, as a part-time um, to create another income stream and to be like a hybrid entrepreneur so that it takes the, pr- the pressure off my business to um, produce money right away um, because that's, that's my story. There's, there's, when, when I feel too much under pressure, it tends to make me, and, and it's due to the fact that I was raised um, sadly in a, um, with trauma and abuse. So I think it impacts actually business owners in a different way when you've been through that cycle. Mm-hmm. And when you're under pressure, you don't, it, it feels more difficult. Mm-hmm. Maybe I want to put that out there for people who maybe are listening to us and wonder, why is it not working for me? I'm doing everything that other people are doing, uh, but it doesn't yield results. And sometimes I feel, I don't know what your take on it, and I'd be interested to know, but I've worked with entrepreneurs who've had trauma and I can see the same pattern with them as well. But it's more difficult for them to make money than to other, even if they do the things that other people do. Yeah, it's so important. I mean, everyone has had trauma in their life. I grew up with a lot of trauma and, you know, peeling back those layers and processing it. So many of us hide from our feelings. Uh, raise your hand. I'm the probably the, <laughs> the biggest hider. I'm really good at hiding. I don't like to process emotions. But understanding that, you know, our thoughts create those emotions and they need to be seen and heard. And when we can work through those, peeling back the layers and get to the point of neutrality so we can take the action steps to get the results that we want is so important. And I believe that a lot of the things that we get triggered by, you know, because of different cycles and times and seasons and things like that, 
we need to really sit down and, and me time is so important. You know, like if you have wealth, health and relationship all in unison, working together, that circle flowing, um, it just makes your life so much more peaceful and joy filled. And we, we all have this longing to be loved, to be seen, to be heard and to feel worthy, you know, and I know we're each designed with beautiful gifts and talents to fulfill our purpose and whatever that purpose is, once we step into it, everything becomes easy. It's fun and there's no pressure and it doesn't matter like, you know, what experiences we've had in the past because we've worked through them and they've make us stronger for what we're doing. And I know all the experiences I went through actually have brought me um, to where I am today. And without those experiences, I would probably be on a different path, you know, but I always, you know, we always go back to the heart of our, of our center of where we're supposed to do, you know, and what we're supposed to do. Cause we each and every one of us has a purpose. We're made, we're made for a purpose and to really Mm -hmm. tap into that and understand like, what is it that I absolutely love? And when we don't love something, step away because so many people want to make money just to have money because they're in this desperate situation. And you've experienced that a, a, quite a few times in your life, you know, as I have too. And I'm sure our listeners have, when you look at your pattern of life and it goes up and down, there's periods where it's like, I need money. It's so desperate, but money isn't just a number. Money loves to be loved on and it doesn't want that. It's like chasing a guy. A guy doesn't want to be chased. A girl doesn't want to be chased. But when you can come and you're happy with yourself, my husband always says, you can't be a partner with somebody unless you're happy with yourself. And if you think about money as a partner, you have to be happy with money. You get to be happy with money because it's something that you get to choose to work with money to be able to say, okay, I'm going to be a good steward and this is what I'm going to do because I get to. And when you can change that thought pattern and understand like, where do these patterns come from? And that's one of the things we do in the wealth activation program is we go back to age zero and we look at our money story and we look at our beliefs around money and we rewrite that story so that we can tell ourselves, we can reprogram our subconscious to say, you know what? My parents didn't know better. My grandparents, great-great-grandparents, they carried all of this on to the generation. They didn't know better. And now that we know, we can't unknow what we already know. So it's time to make that change. And it's time just to be that warrior and stand up for yourself and say, hey, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make money. I'm going to multiply money. And I'm going to bless others with it because this is my calling. This is my passion. So it's very, very beautiful way to see money and to see that reciprocal energy to be able to bless others as we're doing something that we absolutely love and it becomes fun and easy. So no, I agree. And I've been part of the work that I did on myself around money was to write a love letter to money. Mm -hmm. And um, I've written probably 20 over the past few years. And I actually want to put them all line you know line them up and see how I've changed and I know I have changed massively yeah over the last decade and I'm really excited to actually I'm going to write the list of my money very soon it's it's part of the thing yeah. that I I do on a regular basis and yep. it's important because you're right and I see that behind you you have photos of the sea and waves and I think it's exactly like that money is like water it comes and goes and if you try to restrict the flow of it it doesn't work. 
um, it, it, it kind of it, it's almost like it's like sand and it goes through your fingers if you try to hold hold on to it too tight mm-hmm. and because I had I was very fortunate to be able to observe two completely opposite families and I could see that my relatives who had a lot of money didn't feel much richer than my poor relatives mm-hmm. a lot of them were hoarders and were always afraid that they would lose the money or that they wouldn't be able to keep it or that no more would come and that they had a finite spot. So it was fascinating. I, mm-hmm. I, I was really given uh, a, a very good playground yeah. to learn about money and many other things, actually, not just money. But um, yeah. yeah, I'm very fortunate to my, my ancestors for the lessons that they taught me, sometimes in reverse, you know, <laughs> by observing yeah. them and say, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And writing letters is so helpful when we can pick up the pen and paper and write it. It, it definitely helps us. Um, I don't understand the science behind it, but I know that the power of writing helps us process things so much differently. And when we can write out those money stories, write out those letters to money, you know, and, and, and have that conversation, like what's up, <laughs> Like, where have you been? Why are you ghosting me? Like, let's let's reconcile and let's move forward and and understanding it because our thought process and our thoughts are the most powerful tool that we have. And paying attention to them is so important. So tell us a little bit about your business. You what's your main source of services that you offer? So mostly I work uh, on a VIP package with people. I love working one-to-one with people. I know everybody's different. So um, I love working for three to four months with people. And what I usually do is I help entrepreneurs who are very ambitious, but who also suffer from imposter syndrome and who have a tendency to try and people please, but really they have some answers within them, but they never really trust these answers because they've been through life experiences, whatever it, it is. They haven't um, been very assertive. They haven't really trusted that. And yet their intuition has shown them that when they listen to that inner wisdom or that little voice, um, wonderful things happen. And if they don't, horrible things can happen. Intuition literally saved my life. I was Mm -hmm. a law student uh, in in the 80s and I was doing an internship um, and on the way back from my day's work, I was going to go shopping in a multi-story building in Paris. That was my favorite place to go where I had, I had music and books because that's where I like to spend my money usually. It's not bags and shoes, it's books and music. And at the very moment that I was supposed to step out of the metro and get in there, I, I couldn't. Physically, I just couldn't. I felt exhausted and I went home. And at, at the time, you had to wait for the eight o'clock news to find out what, what was happening. But when I came out of the metro, I saw all these ambulances and, and fire trucks and everything zoomed by. And I was like, oh, my God, there's been a disaster. And I found out that night at the exact time and space where I was going to head, had I continued with my plan, seven people were killed and 55 injured in a bomb attempt. And oh, wow. Yeah, so it literally saved my life, but I didn't know what had happened. I had no one to turn to to understand why did I feel tired of all of a sudden? Actually, it was my body that could feel the energy around me and knew, you know, and some people sometimes report that they feel like they've been pushed by an angel or something, you know, 
there was nothing like that. I was just feeling tired. Yeah. And I even beat up myself because I was like, that's ridiculous. You wanted to go out. Why are you feeling that way? And then about a few hours later, I was like, oh, my God, thank God I was tired. But I, looking back, because I've learned so much about intuition, and I've run, you know, a signature challenge that is now a paid program to help people trust their intuition more. I can see now that this was one of the big manifestations of my intuition. From a very young age, I could see that there was something in me that kept me safe, but I didn't understand how it worked. And I was, I wanted to know more. So mm. I guess that's why when I was struck out of the corporate world, I thought, well, this is my permission now. I'm going to explore this and try and understand. And because I'm, you know, I'm quite, I have quite a scientific and logical mind. I went all the way and I went to like dozens of different psychics and mediums to try and understand how the thing works. I trained in healing. I trained in Reiki. All sorts of modalities that helped me to understand that even there is an energy of money as well. You know, everything is energy. So that's what led me. And then I had a big uh, aha moment. Uh, in October 2017, where I was shown that I was, I was supposed to go back with all of that knowledge back into the business world, back into the corporate world. And even recently this year, I was shown I was, I'm supposed to go back to the legal world with it. Mm-hmm. Because who else can teach them better than another lawyer? Because most psychic mediums, tarot readers are too far out for most lawyers. You know what I mean? It's like right. there's these two worlds that never meet. So um, I'm here to close the gap. And to bring both intuition and spirituality into the business world. I love that. What is the best way for our audience to get connected with you? So I'm Angelina on LinkedIn. Um, I'm going to spell it out, even though it's going to be in the show notes, I'm sure. So it's A-N-G-E, then another word, E-E, then another word, L-U-M-I-E-R-E, which is why I didn't choose a domain name with my name because I saw in the Anglo-Saxon world it's impossible to spell nobody would get my so my 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 website is different it's the intuition the intuitive revolution.co.uk so that's really easy to find and then from there I have a community on Facebook called true spirituality with Ange because that's where I'm taking my work a little bit more a little bit further than just intuition at the moment I'm expanding I've just um, put together a summit called true spirituality and again, it comes from the the desire to create a middle road between, you know, hardcore atheists and religion. Mm-hmm. For people who don't necessarily want to talk about God, who don't want necessarily to meditate, but who still want to have a peek into the bigger picture, who still want to have a way to bring that magic. Because when you're connected to something bigger than you, it's almost like things become easier things fall into your lap. You meet the perfect person at the perfect time. And, and that magic is, is just wonderful. You know, living in that sort of energy um, changes everything. It makes everything yeah. so much more meaningful as well, doesn't it? Yeah, that's beautiful. Where, what, if so for someone who's starting out that's listening to the show that's interested in learning more about the intuition and all that, what kind of advice would you give to them? I would say to always trust your gut and don't try to rationalize it. If you feel something is wrong, you don't need to understand what's wrong. Don't do it. Beautiful. I love that. I'd much rather they do that than do it and then suffer the consequences. Exactly. Um, Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your time and, and your energy with us. You have a beautiful story. 
For those of you listening, please check the show notes to connect with Ange, reach out, grab one of her books to read and to share, and be sure to give the show some love, some five stars and a review, share it with anyone you know that wants to learn more about this. And remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make, it's what you do with it. Hey, hey, thanks for tuning in. Be sure to rate the show. Give us some love. We would love your review. And remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make. It's what you do with it. And some words of advice, pay yourself first. Are you ready to partner with money? Go check out the money dating game at idatemoney.com and choose your partner. We hope you always get the date you want. Thanks for tuning into the show. Give us a five-star review and share it with your friends. Get ready to activate wealth. Be the next millionaire with a simple adjustment of your finances using an energetically aligned money multiplier system. You get to build wealth by partnering with money. It's time to have fun with finances. Pick a date. The link is in the show notes to book your wealth activation call where you will get the one solution to multiply your money. Remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make, it's what you do with it.